On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Platforms. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World wherever you get your podcasts. This week on the Indo-Daily. I asked her to leave me alone. I felt like she was harassing me. And she was insistent that, you know, these were just coincidences. Catherine Martin, she is in favour of scrapping the TV licence and giving money to RT direct from the exchequer. Tonish Michael Martin, dead set against it. No way, not happening. Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website. This is an Irish independent podcast. Hello and welcome to The Left Wing. Well, it has been a pretty busy week in rugby this week. And uh, in this episode, we're going to mainly concentrate on the massive weekend of Champions Cup games this weekend with all four provinces playing French opposition. Keen Tracy is here with me. Keen, let's start with Munster and their team to play Toulon at the Stade Félix Mayol at 3.15 tomorrow. As we know, Munster's roster has been savaged by injuries. But finally, uh, some good news. Peter Mahoney is back in the team for his second appearance of the season after shoulder injury. Niall Scannell starts his first game of the season after a groin injury. Uh, Alex Nankovitt is also back after an ankle injury. And Joey Carberry is on the bench after recovering from his wrist injury. Great to see those guys back. Yeah, exactly, Sinead. A bit of good news finally from a Munster point of view. I reckon every time Munster release a press statement about an injury update, Munster fans are looking through their fingers because it's just been blow (laughs) after blow. So look, it's definitely a massive positive look that goes without say to have a guy like Peter O'Mahony back. I actually think Niall Scannell coming back is almost just as big, to be honest. When you look at the problems that Munster have had around the set piece in particular, the line out um, mm. and Niall Scannell, I know he's kind of fallen down the pecking order. He's kind of lost his place to Dear Barron over the last while, but such a vastly experienced campaigner. Uh, Peter O'Mahony is still one of Munster's main leaders. I know he's not the captain anymore and Ty Byrne is going to be captain again tomorrow, but he's so important for the overall leadership, but also the running of the line out. So to have Niall Scannell and Peter O'Mahony back um, in tandem is massive for Munster. Um, it really, really is. I think we have to probably be realistic about what we expect from maybe Munster in general, but also two guys like that who haven't played a whole lot of rugby. In Niall Scannell's case, like you said, Sinead, hasn't played at all this season. So I don't think putting those two guys back in, particularly against this calibre of Toulon team, which I know we can get on and talk to, is going to mean that suddenly Munster's problems are all fixed. Um, Mm. They have found themselves in a bit of a hole of their own making, you'd have to say. Um, Like that draw against Bayonne in week one was just so disappointing. And then I was over in Exeter in week two and they... 
they played fantastic rugby for 50, 55 mm-hmm. minutes and then just totally collapsed. So um, they're going over to France tomorrow to Felix Mayol, one of the toughest places to, to go in, you'd have to say, European rugby. And that's not even a cliche. You know, we were kind of rolling it out for Sandy Park as well and it proved to be the case um, in the previous round. So this is a massive challenge. Um, and just because Munster have Niall Scannell and Peter O'Mahony back doesn't mean that I think all of a sudden they're going to fire on all cylinders. But there's no doubt that it is a huge boost. Yeah, and what about that Toulon team, uh, Keane? They're bottom of the pool with uh, with two points. What about the team they're sending out there tomorrow? It's pretty meaty. Um, <laughs> you see, we'll get on and we'll talk about Stade Francais coming to Dublin tomorrow. But when you have a French team playing at home, even if their interest in the competition might be slightly dwindling, when they're at home, they want to they want to play well and they want to get a win. And when it's a team like Munster coming to town, and you know Munster have had a bit of a rivalry with Toulon over the years, um, they're going to want to make a statement at home. So I think there was probably much less of a chance Toulon rolling out the Esquires for the visit of Munster tomorrow, much as I would imagine Graham Rowntree would have preferred if they did. But you just look through it, Sinead. I mean, Danny Preso in the second row, uh, Kieran Brooks, vastly experienced um, campaigner for Kunda Issa at number eight, Dan Bigger at out half, Lester Fine-Nuku, who was an all-black not that long ago on the wing, um, Melvin Jaminet, who's obviously just back Germany, from yeah. Toulouse as well. When you look through the the team, it's just packed with quality, packed with power. Um, the kind of thing that maybe Munster have struggled with, I would say, this season. And look, you know, we've already touched on it when they're missing guys like Peter O'Mahon, who's obviously back now, but Jean Klein is such a big, big loss to, to Munster at the best of times, but particularly when you're going away to, to France and you'd imagine that Toulon are really going to look to take the game to, to Munster up front and that's exactly where you want a guy like um, Jean Klein. So there's going to be a big onus, I think, on um, the Munster pack tomorrow. It's interesting to see Tom O'Hearn has gone back into the second row. I think that's a case yeah. of needs must and it is going to be interesting to see how this plays out over the next while because through all of Munster's struggles in recent weeks, I th- still think Tom O'Hearn has been a shining light and it's going to be very interesting to see if um, he gets into the Ireland squad next week. But a lot of people would have said that maybe he is better suited to, to playing at number six. But when you have a guy like Peter O'Mahony coming back, I suppose it makes sense to get as many of your best players on the pitch. John Hodden has also been playing really well. So, I mean, he certainly didn't deserve to to lose his place in the team either. So, um, Tom Ahern will link up with Ty Byrne, like I said, who's going to be captain. But there's a big onus, I think, on the Munster pack to, to front up because if they lose that battle, as they have done in recent weeks, particularly around the scrum, we've already mentioned the line-out, but that pack that Toulon have named, like I said, is pretty meaty. And I can imagine the first scrum of the game, they're going to be looking to lay down a big marker. Uh, John Ryan is back at the team. Obviously, Oli Yeager misses out. He's still, go- yeah, still going through the return-to-play protocols, which just goes to, just sums up, I think, Munster's unlucky you know, run of injuries because Oli Yeager was signed with games like this in mind. He's a big unit. You saw him given as good as he got against Andrew Porter and St. Stephen's Day and it looked like he was really kind of finding his feet at Munster. But um, hopefully we see him back uh, sooner rather than later. And hopefully Munster still have a chance, I think, with Northampton coming to Toma Park next week. I think the biggest job they have in their hands is making sure that that's still a live game and they can realistically still get out of the pool. 
Yeah, absolutely. Munster without a win, of course, since the 1st of December. I was reading in the preview material sent out by the EPCR there that Munster have the lowest scrum success in the tournament this season with 83.3%. And they're also just one of two sides yet to win a scrum penalty. You were talking about there. We know the issues that's been, that have been there with the line out, Keane, and at least Peter Mahoney is back. But I feel, you know, we want to see the flash stuff, obviously, but we just need to see the solidity there in the set piece at line out and at scrum as well. Yeah, like a strange quirk of Munster's season has been they still haven't won away from home. And if you think back to to last season, their run to winning the URC in such stunning fashion included like massive amount of resilience on the road. Like how many games did they win in South Africa? They went to Glasgow and won over there. Yet this season, their away form has totally deserted them. Now they will look back and reflect on games like I'm here at the Aviva Stadium at the moment. Um they'll reflect on, you know, how close they pushed Leinster in, in that game before Christmas. Um, we touched on the Exeter game. That was a game they never should have lost um, after how well they played and the lead they took. So um, they have been in games. They obviously lost in Ravenhill as well. They drew in Italy. Um, so they have been in away games, but for a team who we'd become so accustomed to eking out big away days. I think it's been really disappointing that Munster um, have lost that. Now, look, you can you can blame the injuries and all that, but I think internally they won't be looking for that as an excuse. They will expect much higher standards um, than they delivered. But I suppose, you know, you're, you're asking about the fundamentals. Absolutely, they need to get the fundamentals right. But going to a place like Toulon against a team like this is so much easier said than done. And I think Munster found that out in Sandy Park. Um, the last day, look, it's a very different challenge facing Toulon than facing Exeter. But Exeter just knew the quirks of Sandy Park. It's a, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a really old school stadium. They used the wind so well. In the second half, you'd imagine it's going to be a packed crowd in the May all tomorrow. They're seriously vociferous. They'll get on top of Munster. I mean, it's probably going to be tough to hear the the line-out calls and stuff like that for the likes of Peter Romani and Noel Scannell, but they have to find a way to steady the ship. I mean, at the start of the season, Sinead, we were you know, thinking that Munster absolutely should get out of this pool, not just get out of it, but should be getting out of it on top. And then that would obviously mean that they'd... Um, enhance their seeding for the knockout stages which as we know is so important to try and get uh, home advantage so they were being discussed as dark horses as URC champions mm-hmm. and all of a sudden their Champions Cup um, campaign hangs by a thread going to like I mentioned earlier one of the most difficult places around but look we've been down this road so many times with Munster over the years you'd be a fool to to write them off but the odds are certainly stacked against them but like I said we've seen them deliver when their backs are against the wall in the past yeah, I know we haven't. They're fifth in Pool 3 going into this weekend's round of games. I suppose one of the big talking points um, of this weekend generally will be to see as well if an Irish winger can really kind of plant a flag for that vacancy left by uh, Mac Hansen, who's going to miss the Six Nations as well. So Calvin Nash is is in there for Munster. Uh, in Ulster, we've got Rob Balakun, Jacob Stockdale on the wings as well. Jordan Larmer there for Leinster. James Lowe is back as well. We get into that into his return in a moment. But in the wider context, in terms of those winners, Wingers for Calvin Nash as well there tomorrow. There is a big opening to play for here. Yeah, you're right. It's um, it's a massive subplot, I would say, across the board. There's a lot of guys, I think, on the fringes of making the Ireland squad. Andy Farrell, who's had a busy week, to be fair, is going to name <laughs> his one, Six yeah. Nations. Yeah, ju- just a bit. Um, but he's going to name his Six Nations squad on Wednesday. So, look, there's always 
loads to play for in Champions Cup games from an, indig- an individual and a, um, a collective point of view. But you're right, the, the wingers are absolutely fascinating. Like I said, I'm just here at the Aviva Stadium. Leo Cullen has just held his press conference and he was asked about Jordan Larmer and he was obviously absolutely singing the praises of Larmer, who's had a very good season, it must be said, for Leinster. But yeah, I'm excited by prospect of Calvin Nash not just making the Six Nations squad but also getting a proper crack um, like it would be a huge decision for Andy Farrell I think to throw a guy like Calvin Nash into into the deep end in the opening game in Marseille um, but we've seen over in over the years since Andy Farrell has been in charge he's not afraid to back young players I know Calvin Nash isn't that young he's been around um, for longer than maybe people think but he's been a really consistent performer for Munster over the last couple of years he was integral to them winning the URC last season he had a bit of a kind of hot and cold game I would say in, in Exeter in the previous round when he left the the ball bounce but um, I think you could not forgive him for it, but I think he'd taken a heavy blow just before it, uh, which is worth bearing in mind. But like by and large, he's been solid defensively. I think he adds a spark. And I think crucially, he plays... Look, there's very few players, there's probably, there's probably no other player in Irish rugby who plays the, the wing role as well as Mac Hansen in terms of what Andy Farrell wants. But Munster under Mike Prendergast used their wings in a very similar way. So... Whereas in the past, when Johan van Graam was in charge, I feel like a lot of these guys like Calvin Nash were kind of banging their head against a brick wall almost because this style of play was just so different to what Ireland were looking for. Whereas now it's much more aligned. So I think guys like Calvin Nash, Shane Daly as well, Simon Zebo, they'll feel like because the style of play that they're playing is much more aligned with Andy Farrell, that they have a genuine chance of getting into that squad next week. And I've kind of long had the sense... Um, about Calvin Nash that I think at times we we forget or maybe underestimate how big of improvements because Mac Hansen is a great example of this how much improvements players can make when they get into an international setup not, not maybe necessarily just playing but being in around the camp being comfortable learning the systems and then being backed by a guy like Andy Farrell and I get the sense that if Calvin Nash got that opportunity he could probably kick on to a, a, another level I think he has another level in him so I'm excited by, um, like I said, the prospect of him playing, but I think he needs um, a big performance. Like this is a great test. If you were looking at this um, as an audition for, you know, potentially playing in that opening game in France, going to, going to the Mayall and delivering and, and not necessarily doing anything flash, but just doing mm-hmm. what's asked of you is a massive, massive opportunity. But I'm sure Jordan Larmer is thinking the exact same thing and Robert Balakun is thinking the exact same thing with Toulouse coming to Belfast. So it's a fascinating subplot to the weekend. Oh, it is indeed. Now our colleague Rory O'Connor is going to be at that game in Toulon for us. And moving on to Leinster, as you said, you're at you're at the Leinster press conference there at the Viva Stadium just a little earlier. They play Stade Francais there tomorrow with a 5.30 kickoff. Leinster top of pool four on nine points, just ahead of Leicester, who are also on nine points. As just mentioned there, James Lowe is back in the Leinster team. Tyke Furlong also returns as well. A timely boost for Ireland, though, that Lowe is back. His first game of the season, first time playing since that uh, World Cup quarterfinal defeat to New Zealand uh, last October which feels like ages ago yeah you and me both I'm sitting here indoors Sinead wearing a wearing a coat so uh, not quite what we were used to when we were in France which does seem like a long time ago Um, yeah look an absolutely massive boost Um, James Lowe was back in New Zealand for personal reasons for a bit after the World Cup so he hasn't necessarily been injured per se I think a large part of his absence obviously was that he was away but when he came back 
he didn't have a preseason under his belt. So he's been trying to get back up to speed. My understanding is that he was very close to making his return against Ulster um, recently, but he just didn't quite hit all his markers. So he's been back in the country for a good few weeks now. I think Leinster have managed him very, very well. You know, that's a good example of it, that they didn't want to rush him back too soon. So um, I don't think there was ever any great fear, to be honest, that James Lowe wouldn't be available for the Six Nations. I think it was always the plan that he was going to come back, if not for that Ulster game, for this game uh, tomorrow against Stade Francais. So look, I mean, if he gets back-to-back games in the Champions Cup, um and shows, you know, no issues or whatever, you'd have no fear at all of him playing in that opening game um, in Marseille on February 2nd. And it's so important that he does um, with Mac Hansen out, with Jimmy O'Brien out. Um, Ireland are short, as we've just discussed there, uh, in terms of uh, wing options. And we've seen it, I think, over the course of the season that Jameson Gibson Park has taken on a lot more responsibility in terms of his kicking game because without having Joe uh, James Lowe's left boot there... Um, you know, it's been a bit tricky. So it's going to be interesting to see how he slots in because let's not forget, this is his first time playing in Jack Nienarber's um, new blitz defensive system. So um, like that's going to be, I think, a challenge for him. But to be fair, we all remember when James Lowe first burst onto the scene with Ireland, he had a few defensive struggles and to be fair, went away, worked on them and came back um, almost a completely changed player. So it's going to be interesting to see how he kind of gets his head around that because it is very different. We were speaking to Jack Nienarber earlier this week and he was explaining how his blitz system is much different to what Leinster were used to when they were operating under more of a drift under Stuart Lancaster last season. So that would be a challenge in itself. I think the the team that Stad are bringing over is probably more favourable to Leinster because they've left um, a good few of their big guns at home. Look, they've lost their their opening two games and I think when Leinster were doing their prep this week, it was probably going to be difficult to, to predict what kind of side they were going to bring. So they still have guys like Brad Weber who um, I actually spoke to earlier this week. He's a former All Black. He's got a very interesting story. Um, his partner is from Dublin. So he's got a huge amount of his partner's family coming tomorrow. Um Obviously, he played with the Chiefs. He's very good friends with James Lowe. So not to give away all the interview, but um, he had to get on to James Lowe for a few extra tickets uh, this week to to keep sweet with the with the in-laws. So that's a nice little story, a nice little subplot for tomorrow. Um, he's never played in Ireland. He was due to play for, for the All Blacks in 2021, but picked up an injury the previous week. So um, he's absolutely buzzing to get the chance to play, like I said, in front of his partner's family. So um, look, I would still expect Leinster to have far too much quality. Um, they haven't been at their best this season. Um, there's a big crowd expected here at the Aviva, which... You know, normally they have their big uh, Aviva European game before Christmas. Christmas, Yeah, Yeah, so, um, but ticket sales by all accounts um, are going really well. So while it should be a big occasion, I think this is a chance for Leinster to, you know, rack up five points and to maybe iron out a few things defensively, but also in attack because they haven't really fired on on all cylinders at all this season. So um, perfect opportunity, like you said, Furlong coming back into the team uh, and James Lowe as well. They, They probably feel like they have a bit of a point to prove, especially after losing to Ulster last time out. Yeah, and the rotating kind of continues there as well at out half. Um, Keen Kieran Frawley starts, and uh, Sam Prendergast is on the bench, and no Harry Byrne in the squad at all. Yeah, that was the big talking point, Sinead, from the press conference just now. Um, Harry Byrne was due to be involved, um, Leo right. Cullen told us, but he picked up an ankle injury in training this week, which 
look, to say the least, is not well-timed with the squad being named next Wednesday. Leo Cullen said he hopes it's not too serious. Um, now, we don't know whether Harry Byrne was due to start or whether he was due to be on the bench. There's been some murmurings that he was possibly going to be on the bench, even though I would have... Like given the way Leo Cullen has selected all season, I would have expected if Harry Byrne was fit to be playing 10 because he seems just to prefer Kieran Frawley as that kind of versatile player. So what an opportunity for Kieran Frawley. Um, it's mm. his second consecutive start at 10 in the in the Champions Cup. Didn't quite go all his own way against Sale, but it, that wasn't, it wasn't on bag, him at all. Yeah. A mixed bag, but it was a mixed bag from Leinster in general. I don't think yeah. that was all on him, but... Frawley was excellent here. I know we were both at the game, Sinead, um, against Munster before Christmas. He was outstanding that day mm-hmm. uh, when he came on at 10. So, look, this is another big opportunity uh, for a guy to stake his claim. I would expect him to be in the Six Nations squad anyway. But I think if Kieran Frawley goes well tomorrow and possibly even gets another start next week away to Leicester, then I think he'd put himself in the driving seat to be on the bench um, behind Jack Crowley in Marseille. Um, and I don't think, you know, a lot's made kind of of how much Frawley has shifted around. But I think if if Andy Farrell picks his squad and if he believes Kieran Frawley is the best backup option to Jack Crowley, I don't think he'd have too much of a problem in backing him. I just think... Mm-hmm. You know, it's he, he's such his own man and we've seen it over the years how good of a selector he is. He sees things differently. You know, James and Gibson Park, a good example. He backed Mac Hansen so early. So I wouldn't be surprised if Farrell isn't overly concerned. Of course, he'd prefer if Kieran Frawley was playing every week at 10. Uh, with Ross Byrne out injured. But I have a funny feeling that he'll be kind of less concerned maybe, but then his, someone like his predecessor who probably would have been really stressing over lack of minutes and stuff. I think Farrell would be happy to back Frawley in Marseille if he needs to be. But look, the fact he's getting a start here tomorrow with the Aviva, big occasion again. It's, an, it's a huge opportunity for him to impress. And if he does get the nod again next week going to Welford Road, that's a different challenge mm-hmm. um, altogether. But again, it would really play into his hands um, ahead of that Six Nations. Yeah, God, that is a head wreck though for Harry Byrne and hope that mm. uh, goes okay for him. He's just trying to get a run of games together as well. Let's move on to Ulster against Toulouse. One of the games of the weekend, really. It's a sellout in Belfast tomorrow night. Uh, no Rob Herring in the Ulster squad. Uh, Tom Stewart starts at hooker um, after his man of the match against Leinster at the RDS that day, of course. Billy Burns keeps that 10 jersey. John Cooney alongside him. Uh, they're coming up against quite the opponents, Keane. Uh, Anton Dupont is still there, obviously, with Toulouse before he takes his conman to the France 7 squad. And uh, Thomas Ramos at 10. It's a big one. It is. No sign of Jake Flannery. I don't know, did you did you say something to him in your very good interview <laughs> that you'd done? I know the rotation continues there for him. Mm, we call it He's the Kirshen age. Um, yeah. I was getting, um, I chatted to Mac Hansen um, a few weeks ago down in Galway and he got injured then in the game that I was covering in the Bordeaux game. So I was being slagged that I had cursed him. But um, no, it, it is, a, it's, it's a massive game, Sinead. Um, yeah. Ulster's season, like you really felt like it could have been a turning point when they beat Racing last time out um, at in, in Belfast. And it's proven to to be a huge one because obviously they've won two games since and beaten Leinster in the RDS. Okay, Leinster had rotated their team, but that's not to take away anything from um, from an Ulster point of view. So this is this is a massive challenge. I mean, anytime you're getting to play Toulouse, and I think you've mentioned there before uh, DuPont goes to the sevens. It was interesting to see him. It looked like last week he was having his first training session with them. I think, oh, yeah. you know, Leinster in a points race with themselves to try and get 
the highest seeding possible. Like Toulouse are very much in that category. And I imagine knowing that they're going to be without the best player in the world for the foreseeable, they're going to want to eke absolutely every drop out of him um, over the next while just to make sure that they do get as many points as possible. But well, like when Ravenhill, when Ulster are on it and Ravenhill is packed to the rafters, which it obviously will be tomorrow night, like again, not to use a cliche, but it's a, it can be a tricky place for, for away teams to go. I think the, the fact that it's a 4G pitch now up there is bit, a bit of a leveler because, you know, if it was cold tomorrow and potentially wet you know would to lose fancy it whereas like the likes of DuPont and and Ramos and Blair Kinghorn's fascinating um one at fullback as well like they'll have no yeah. issues at all playing on that fast surface too but um Ulster need to use the last few weeks as you know and as springboards they've already shown that they've done it we've been quite critical I would say um of them but that is that's only because you can see the talent that they have within their squad and they don't always play to their potential, which I think is, it must be really frustrating from an Ulster supporter's point of view. But look, they've built up some lovely momentum. They've got a big French team coming to town. And what would it do for their confidence for the rest of the season if they could down Toulouse as well as Racing at home? That would be absolutely uh, massive for them. And you just look, you've named out a few players, Sinead, um, that's in the team. And we've mentioned a guy like Robert Balakun, you know, who I would say is probably on the periphery. I would say he's behind the likes of Calvin Nash and Jordan Larmer. Um don't think he's been at his best this season. I think at times you're you're wanting to see him come off his wing more. Now, I don't know if he's playing within a restrictive system, but everything you hear from the Ulster camp is that they want to play this more expansive game. So if indeed that is the case, then uh, Balakun is no different to Larmer and Nash in that this is a huge chance for him to to stake a claim because I do feel like he has a little bit more ground to to make up and like if we were having this conversation this time last year like I was thinking that um, Balakun could be a star at Ireland's World Cup just before kind of Matt Hansen had mm-hmm. broken through and made the 14 jersey his own I genuinely thought that we had a star in our hands in Robert Balakun and look he, we still might like he possesses something that we just don't have an Irish rugby and that's just outright speed but if he can get a few more than nuts and bolts become that untidy winger that Andy Farrell so famously spoke about and like I said Calvin Nash plays that way Jordan Larmer is starting to play that way Mac Hansen plays that way if Robert Balakun can start having more involvements and almost not just waiting for the ball to come to him on the wing so that he can burn someone on the outside. The time is still very much on his side to to make an impression with Ireland as well. And what better, I suppose, time to do it a few days out from the squad announcement against one of Europe's powerhouses. Yeah, OK, let's go on to Lyon against Connacht. Uh, they kind of kick it off for the provinces this weekend, Connacht against Lyon in France tomorrow, one o'clock Irish time kickoff. As we know, uh, Hansen is out. No Bundyaki for them either this weekend. Jack Carty at 10. Michael McDonald has given his first Connacht start at scrum half. JJ Hanrahan at full back, which is interesting to see uh, Keane and Sean Jansen returns from injury to start at number eight. And you talk about kind of springboards there as much as we saw how their defeat to Leinster that time at the sports ground kind of hurt them. Maybe that win over Munster, uh, you know, on New Year's Day might be their springboard to kind of get their confidence going as well and get a bit of momentum. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a tricky enough um, period for Connacht after making such a good start um, to the season. Look, it, it was always going to be tricky for Connacht, I think, to to manage on two fronts just with 
the lack of depth maybe that they have in their squad, even though I think it's much improved than it has been uh, maybe in previous years. But this is a tough task to go over to a place like Leon. Uh, no Bundiaki, which is a shame after he won the Guinness Rugby Riders Player of the Year award uh, during the week. Uh, Sinead, which you co-hosted excellently may I say um, but it's a shame not to see him um, involved like we just know what Bundyaki brings I don't know if it's a player management rotation sort of thing and if it is then that probably points to where Connock's um, ambitions are like they look the writing is on the wall I think in terms of them trying to get out of the pool I was listening to Pete Wilkins um, at his press conference earlier this week and he was very much of the mind that they were going to go over to Leon and do everything they could to win they've got Bristol um, at home next week which was going to be a really you know fascinating game with Pat Lamb obviously coming back yeah. to the sports ground and a few other ex-Connacht heads but um, this is a tough challenge for them like it's no point in in beating around the bush um, they've found it very tough in Europe so far they massively underperformed in that opening game against Bordeaux and I know they took plenty of heart from how they performed against Saracens last time out but their defence was just leaking points um, at an alarming rate and while they did shore it up um, against Munster and kept Munster troilous uh, that was a massive I think feather in their cap particularly for Scott Fardy and his new defensive system but uh, going away to France is a different matter entirely so um, I think they're going to be up against it um, but hopefully they can get something. I mean, similar enough to Munster, like Connacht, Connacht are capable of springing a surprise. Going to Leon is tough, but it's not. I wouldn't put it in the same category as going to Toulon, to the Mayall or Toulouse, um, places like that. But nevertheless, for, like I said earlier, French team at home, they're going to want to make a big statement in front of their fans. So it could be a tough afternoon for Connacht. Okay, before we finish with your predictions, Keen, obviously Andy Farrell was named yesterday. Uh, the secret we all knew about uh, as the new Lions head, co- head coach for the Tour to Australia. I mean, it really just seems like this job was just made for, for Andy Farrell, really, doesn't it? Yeah, the worst kept secret in rugby was finally finally let out of the bag. Um, yeah, it does. Um, like you, you, everyone probably heard him speak yesterday um, at this stage and the amount of pride and passion he speaks mm-hmm. about, I would say about any team that he's involved in, but I think the Lions means a lot to him. Obviously, he was part of the 2013 and 2017 tours, would have been part of the 2021 tour, but I would say sensibly decided to focus mm-hmm. um, on Ireland and I suppose Ireland's results uh, since he did that, spoke for themselves. Um, I think it's fascinating to see a current Ireland head coach getting the gig. Um, like we speak about, you know, players trying to prove a point ahead of the Six Nations squad announcement next week. But the players are all going to try and prove a point to Andy Farrell over the next um 18 months or whatever it is. You know, like there's obviously so, so long to go until it happens. But Ireland players are going to feel like they've much more of an opportunity now of, you know, earning the prestige that comes with, um, you know, getting the Lions cap. So, like, there's a lot of water to to cross under the bridge. Like, one thing that I was very pleased to see, I have to say, is that Andy Farrell will be in charge of the November internationals. Um, so, obviously, he's going to do the Six Nations this year but the, and the summer tour to South Africa. But there had been some suggestion that he might not be in charge Um of Ireland for the the November internationals and there's like apparently some big teams coming to town there's been talks of the All Blacks potentially playing Ireland in Dublin in in November hasn't been confirmed yet but I was delighted to see that he's going to be in charge because I I think he's still got plenty of time like even the Six Nations are kind of going could he you know still do the Six Nations but I understand the 
the Lions have their way of doing things. But I wonder if he could could do both. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. But it's a massive positive for Ireland that he's going to be doing the November internationals, and that meet that will leave. Um, a massive void. Um, there's no two ways about it. But I, I was writing about this earlier this week. I think if there's one thing the RF, RFU have done well over the last few years, it's their succession planning. I think you even see it in the case of Mike Cat leaving as attack coach at the end of the season. Andrew Goodman is a ready-made replacement. There was no long, long drawn-out process. And look, the RFU would have known for a long, long time that Andy Farrell was going to get this gig, yeah. uh, the Lions gig. The fact that there were no even other candidates no one was even being tipped for the job so that gives them even more time to prepare for who's going to take charge of the 2025 Six Nations a lot will obviously depend on who Andy Farrell takes um, in his backroom team but I think that you know the strong feeling would be that Simon Easterby would step up as interim Ireland head coach he obviously did the emerging Ireland tour in 2022 but that would depend, I think, if Paul O'Connell, is he going to stay or is yeah. he going to go? It, it's not going to be it's not going to be a case of Andy Farrell taking all of the Ireland coaches, obviously. But I'd be surprised if he didn't try and take uh, Paul O'Connell, given his own I, you know, rich Lions history as well. Obviously, uh, Easterby has played for the Lions too, but I wouldn't be surprised if O'Connell um, gets the call and if it works, obviously, for everyone. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. There's already been a few murmurings in terms of... Um, Andy Farrell's potential Lions backroom team. Felix Jones is a name that I've mentioned uh, quite strongly, actually. Um, I believe Andy Farrell is a big fan of Felix Jones and the body of work that he's put together. But because he's only uh, taken over um, as England defence coach in the Six Nations, I think it will it will depend on how he gets on. It will depend on the RFU, but that's definitely one to, one to watch. Uh, Felix Jones possibly joining Andy Farrell's backroom team. Okay, it's a bit down the line yet. Let's look back to this weekend, Keen. So give me your predictions out of the four provinces. What are you expecting? Oof, um, I'll start with Leinster at the Aviva because that should probably yeah. be the easiest one, I would imagine. I, I'm expecting a big win. I'm expecting a bonus yeah. point win for Leinster and a good performance to to go with it. Um, I think Munster are going, going to find it tough um, in the Mayall. Uh, like we've like we've outlined, like Toulon have picked such a strong team, and um, yeah, I, I would fancy Toulon maybe to to pit Munster there. Uh, similarly to to Leon, um, I think that yeah, just Connacht's form this season has been a bit patchy, even though they had the the big win, but. Toulon could expose them um, defensively again, particularly without a guy like Bundiaki in midfield. And I think the the Ulster game is actually tough to call, which a few weeks ago I would have been absolutely not hesitating in saying Toulouse. But mm-hmm. Ulster have good momentum behind them, but um, I would still fancy Toulouse. I think um, they've got so much firepower and quality in that team. So uh, they're also a far better team, I would suggest, than the Racing team that arrived at Belfast a few weeks ago so I would say Toulouse just about Okay Keen, great stuff thank you for that uh, it is going to be a huge Saturday for those of us who won't be leaving the couch you're going to be in the Viva Stadium Keen, is that right? I will I'm just setting up my tent here now I'm not going to leave <laughs> Not going to leave. Okay, well, Will and Luke will be back next week to review all those games and we'll also be back next Wednesday as well. As Keen was mentioning there, that is the day that the Ireland squad for the Six Nations will be announced. We'll have an extra podcast on that day as well. Until then, enjoy the rugby. Mm-hmm.